Today's podcast is sponsored by 360 Works. Do you have an iPhone, BlackBerry, or Palm Trio? Do you have FileMaker Server? Then you need Admin Anywhere from 360 Works. For just $49, you can remotely administer your FileMaker Server from anywhere that you have cell coverage. Visit 360works.com slash admin anywhere to remotely administer our test server and download a free demo. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. And I'm Matt Petrowski. And who is it that we have with us today, Matt Navarre? we got Jesse Barnum from 360Works. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Thanks, thanks for Always coming back. Always a pleasure. Yep. So let's see. Our, our main topic today is going to be a new product that you've got coming out called Web Services Manager. Yes. And uh, this is something that has been has had a really long kind of incubation period. We demoed an early version of it at my web services session at DevCon last year, and we have put out a, a beta release to some people who were at that session that asked to, to get a beta copy of it, but, the, but we're actually finally getting ready to ship the product. So it's, it's been a while coming, but I think it's worth it. Cool. So are we talking SOAP? You're talking about yes. accessing web services? Okay, gotcha. We don't yeah. use the word so- access around here. <laughs> we already used that joke last week, yeah. <laughs> but before we get into that, let's talk about what's not FileMaker. I got a silly one, thinkgeek.com. Why is it silly? Well, because it's geek tools, but I, I think that as FileMaker developers, we should embrace that geek side of our personality, you know? I bought a box of uh, caffeinated chocolate-covered coffee beans that has added caffeine. One box has 600 milligrams of caffeine, which is like a lot of caffeine. <laughs> oh, sheesh. A lot. And what has it done to you? I think Have a cup of coffee, I think one cup of coffee is 50 milligrams of caffeine. Are you on that right now? No, I'm not. But it's great for late night driving in the RV, you know. <laughs> so you uh-huh. had them, right? Yeah, yeah, I've eaten uh, several of them. And seriously, what is it? What can you feel the difference? I haven't eaten like enough to really get jacked up on it. But I've. C- can you feel the difference if you have like a six shot latte? Okay, I've never done six, but going from I normally had one. I'm not a super big coffee drinker, but I had three. I've never felt a physical response to three shots. I, I, they must have put in four or five. Because like, when your hands actually start shaking, you're like, okay, this is really a drug. Because yeah. I can't shut down. I can't shut down. <laughs> I've totally had that effect with like a three or four shot latte. Where oh, I get man. Co- totally jittery and it, it really alters my state. Anyway, so what's, uh, what's your It's Not FileMaker? Mine, MAMP. MAMP. What is MAMP? MAMP? Mampa, Mampa, like Mampa, Man. Florida. That <laughs> good one. I'm gonna have to chuckle there for a second, <laughs> and then recuperate and come back. Mamp is uh, it stands for Macintosh, <laughs> Macintosh Apache MySQL PHP. So you've probably heard of Lamp, ah. which is Linux, Apache, MySQL PHP. Just basically the uh, the three primary tools. But basically, in the past, what you had to do was, you know, you'd use Apache, which comes on the Mac, and that usually was in the flavor of 1.3, which now predominantly 2.0 is accepted in terms of using Apache as a production server. And so Mac just never really updated. So what this was is it's a application, and since every application in the Mac is simply just a folder, within that they have the whole uh, 
I keep wanting to call it LAMP stack, but the AMP stack. So they've got a, Apache 2.0, PHP 5, and MySQL 5 installed for you. And it's all in one convenient app. So you drag that in your applications. It's got a convenient starter. So if you're doing any type of PHP web development with a FileMaker, then it's an infinitely easier way to go than you know trying to do your own installs with Darwin ports or something like that. Fink, I think, is an older way for installing accessory apps. Mm-hmm. So, Where do you get that? MAMP.com or something? MAMP.info, it looks like. One of those obscure root domains. Cool. I will play with that. So, uh, let's see. Any other stuff to add on that, Matt? What Other than the convenience factor of it that you like? Since it's all there, what makes it nice is the configuration files are easy to modify, because a lot of the times if you're doing a lot of I don't know if uh, how many FileMaker developers end up doing a lot of different websites, but if you do, then editing the Apache configuration file to manage your virtual hosts, it's just a lot easier because it's not buried down into the uh, Etsy folder. But, of course, you have to know how to show the package contents on the MAMP application in order to get to it, but it's not that big of a deal. And from a deployment standpoint, is this something you would deploy with, or is this just kind of when you're doing your development on your desktop? Gotcha. And then you yeah, have would, some other system for deploying. Yeah, it would. You would want to do use it just for development because predominantly it installs most of the extensions, the PHP extensions, and things that you wouldn't want to load into a production server because you're typically, you know, you're going to get rid of mod user or mod dir because you're not going to be managing multiple users in your Apache install on a production server. You'll mm-hmm. uh, cut out all the modules. So you'll want to do a custom install on your production server. Right. It's just for development. It sounds really cool. It's exceptionally easy. Plus, you can move it from one machine to another. So you don't have to actually rebuild your whole development environment. You just copy oh. the whole app, and it's got That's configuration nice. files and everything. Yeah, for like testing on different operating systems or versions or something would be great. Mm-hmm. Cool. No penguins required. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> no penguins were harmed in the development of this application. Right. But penguins are always enjoyed. <laughs> I love Ubuntu. It's, it's light years ahead of, of when I was using Linux. Like, I, I mean, I used Linux, and it was kind of like... I saw a quote on Slashdot that I loved, and it said, uh, Linux is free if your time is worthless. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but it it's really has gotten so much better now. It's, it's, it's not OS X, but it's, it's, I think it's comparable at least to Windows. It is. Funny story. Hmm. In order to avoid giving my grandfather a new Windows computer that he could ultimately destroy within the span of a week, I gave him... <laughs> An, an, a Ubuntu box. I basically really? gave him one of my own laptops with Ubuntu on it, made it so that basically the only thing that really opens, because all he uses is the web browser, is a web browser. Uh-huh. He does his email and Gmail and, you know, full screen it, and there you go. There's your computer, Grandpa. <laughs> That's impressive. That's really cool. I mean, he doesn't need much else, and, you know, you stick a VNC on the back, and you can come in anytime you want if he needs help, which is frequently. Right. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's very cool. So, on to our topic. Web Services Mangler, or is it Manager? <laughs> Mangler. <laughs> what uh, is, yes, Web Services Manager. What is this product? What it is, is it's a way to easily publish XML SOAP 
web services from FileMaker. Um, so you can basically take your existing scripts that you've already written in FileMaker. There's a very easy user-friendly configuration thing where you can basically say, here's a script I want to publish. Here's the parameters it takes. Here's the, the layout that the results are on. Go. It's the antimatter version of web of uh, Vince's web services plugin. It's exactly. It's the it's the opposite, except that they won't blow up if you put them in contact with each other. They actually work really well <laughs> together. So so to if you want to use an analogy, think of Vince's plugin, the the web services plugin, as the browser. That's the the client end of it. Mm-hmm. And then our web services manager is more like the web server end of it, like right. the Apache end of it that we were just talking about. So oh. that's the thing that that the server that the the browser is talking to. Or Although here. it can work with anything. It's like Vince's the web services plugin from FM Nexus could work with our web services manager product or any other SOAP server. And then conversely, our web services manager product could work with Vince's plugin as the client or any other SOAP client. So here's how I thought of it. Vince's SOAP is inbound. You're basically going out, you want to get something and it's coming back in. Yours mm-hmm. is outbound. You're providing the service so that somebody's going to request from you, and you're going to send it out. Yeah, it's really maker. all a question of what's initiating the, the, the communication. Right. So, uh, so ours is not designed to initiate requests to somewhere. Ours is designed to respond to requests from somewhere. So one of the words I use sometimes is consume. So Vince's yes. plugin allows you to consume a web service that exists. Yes. And your ser- this uh, service that you have allows you to serve, to actually be the data, so that you can have yes. a database with huge numbers of records. Well, we'll talk about some applications of it. But before we do that, I wanted to know, how do you integrate this into an existing FileMaker database? Is this a client thing or a server thing? We worked really, really hard on making it very, very simple to use and to integrate. So basically, there are two FileMaker files. One is optional. One's just a set of examples, and the other is the actual Web Services Manager product. So you take those two files, you put them on your FileMaker server and host them there just like you would any hosted database. There's one PHP file, and you drop that into wherever your PHP files go, your, your, your web server document root on your FileMaker server or your web publishing engine. And... And at that point, it's up and running. You'll be able to, without doing any steps other than that, without doing any integration or anything like that, you'll at least be able to like, do a hello world type of web service. And we ship three examples that come with it that are enabled. Like there's a hello world, there's an add two numbers, and a divide two numbers. So you, know, you, you do those steps. You're done with the basic installation. You could then at that point like add two numbers together, which I know is very exciting. It's but really exciting. <laughs> that would that would show that it's up and running and functional. And so then, you know, you want to get into interesting stuff, which is publishing the data that you have in your FileMaker database. And there actually is no integration. There's no changes that need to be made in your database at all. No, I take that back. You would need to just enable the, the PHP and FMXML extended privilege sets in your FileMaker extended privileges. So you don't um, need to add a script or a layout to your database even? No. There's no scripts or layouts to add to your database. Huh. You would go into the Web Services Manager database with a FileMaker client, and it has a, a, a user interface on it that manages all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you would say, get me a list of databases. And it gets you a list of all the databases that are hosted on your server. You pick the one that has the script that you want to publish. Then it gives you a list of all the scripts. You pick which script you want to, to publish. It gives you a list of all the available layouts. And what you're doing at this point is you're saying, what is the result layout of this? Um, you know, so if you have a, maybe uh, an online payment service 
and you want to say, get me a list of all the invoices. So you have a script that gets you a list of all the invoices for a particular customer. Um, so your layout then would be the invoice layout. That's the result that's going to be returned with a list of all the invoices. So, so you've, you've picked the file, you've picked which script, which layout you want, and then you can optionally specify one or more parameters that your script is going to be expecting. You know, again, if we use the online payment example, maybe you're expecting, uh, I want to get the details on this invoice number. So invoice number might be a parameter. And there's a, again, in this management thing, you would just click a, you would type in the name of the parameter, which is invoice number. And you would say the type is text or number or whatever it is. Um, and, and again, to stress, there's nothing that you're doing in your FileMaker file. Now that you've done all these things, it will generate a WSDL file. Uh, it doesn't actually generate a file. It generates it on, on demand dynamically. Mm-hmm. A WSDL, if you're not familiar with how web services work, stands for web services description language. And that's basically a specification of all the operations that are available. And so you would go into whatever web services client you want to use, such as Vince's plugin, mm-hmm. or we ship a, a kind of a generic web services client application with our web services manager for testing purposes. And, uh, and you would, and you would pull it up and it would show you this script that's available. And then you could type in an invoice number and run it. And it would send the X, the soap XML to our server. Our server would then pass, would, would grab the parameters, call your view invoice detail script. It would pass in that invoice number as a script parameter to your script. Mm -hmm. Your script would run, get some list of invoices, we would read that from the layout, from the invoice layout that you specified. And so we would get a list of, say, 10 invoices. And then we would treat each field on that layout as part of the XML that gets returned. We also, if there's portals on there, maybe your invoice layout has portals for line items and another portal for payments received. So we would see those portals on there, and those would be nested elements in the XML hierarchy that would be sent back. And uh, and so then it would respond back with the SOAP XML um, with a list of all the invoices. And from there you could move on to maybe paying an invoice or doing whatever it is that you wanted to, to do next. But, um, you know, the, the important part is that there's no layouts or scripts to install. Deployment is super easy. You know, I just put two FileMaker files in there in a PHP file. Um, and then everything is managed in this separate FileMaker database that has a list of all the scripts that you want to publish as a web service. Now, when um, you, I have a question. You keep saying yeah. scripts, and I'm, I imagine there are people listening right now. You're not talking about a FileMaker script. You're talking about a PHP script that's hitting no. FileMaker pulling results. No, a, a FileMaker script. We've written some PHP code that calls your FileMaker script. But the objective of this is to take your FileMaker scripts that you already have written in your FileMaker solution, and make it so that those scripts can be called directly as XML web service calls. Um, so you don't have to write any PHP code to enable this. And then the uh, layout, are you saying that the layout that that script references, that's what actually provides the structure or the, the data that's going to come back? Right. When we call your script, we're going to make sure that you are starting off on the layout that you specified. Now, your script may switch to a bunch of different layouts to do all the things it needs to do. But we start you off on that layout, and then we assume that your script is going to finish back on that same layout. And whatever the found set is, we're going to return that as the result of the web service. So, you know, if the script was uh, called get invoices for customer, and it took a parameter of maybe the ID of your customer, then we would call your script, pass in that ID as a parameter. We would start you off on the invoices layout. 
your script could then just go into find mode, put in that customer ID as the one to find, do a find, and then it would finish. And that would have a found set of, say, a dozen invoices. And we would take all that data from that layout and return that as the result of, of the web service. So, so the layout there is not, it's not, um, it's not saying you can't leave this layout. It's saying it's, you have to finish on this layout because we're going to return that as the result. It sounds like it's you're using the starting layout as the defining point for how the structured data is going to come back because you're looking at that layout using your technology, looking at each of the fields, and then that's what's going to allow you to wrap the XML around the way that that data should be structured. That's right, and we need to know that layout in advance because that web services description language, the WSDL, it needs to specify in advance, here's all of the pieces of information to expect when you call this web service. So we read all the fields in that layout and we read their data types and we read any related fields and any portals. We get all of that information together and that's what we use to generate the WSDL file that specifies what the contents are of an invoice. So that when somebody else is calling your web service, they'll know in advance all the fields that will be returned from your script. And so that's why you need to specify the layout when you set up the script is so that we can say, all right, there's 30 fields in this layout. When we generate the WSDL, we need to specify the names and the data types of all 30 of those as the expect as the XML schema, essentially, that will be returned by this web service. Right. So if a developer modifies the layout and adds or changes fields, then they would actually have to then go in and update the WSDL, reprovide the WSDL to the consumers of that web service. It is backwards compatible. As long as they didn't remove fields mm-hmm. that were existing, if they just added new fields, it would continue to work with all the people that had had the original WSDL file that were only expecting, say, 30 fields instead of 35, maybe added five new fields. Mm-hmm. But yes, if somebody were to request the WSDL, the new WSDL would have all 35 fields on it, even though the old one would still work with people that, didn't, that hadn't designed their system for those oh, five extra Oh, I see. It would just ignore fields. the extra five. Yes. Okay. Yes. And is it the, the very first layout that you find within the FileMaker script? Or when is that you, chosen in your interface? Yes. In our interface, you get a, a, a pop-up menu of all the layouts in your file. And then you go to that pop-up menu and you pick it and you say, here's the layout that I will be finishing up on. Okay. Again, we'll start your script off on that layout. And if your script, like in that find example I was talking about, your script would never need to switch layouts because right. you start off on the invoices layout. All you need to do is just enter find mode, set a field and perform a find and your script is done. But you might have, let's say that there was uh, like the pay invoice example might be much more complex. You might switch to another layout that's a payments receive table, create a new record there. You might do some validation. You might go to another layout to run the credit card charge or the wire transfer or whatever. You might create audit logs of that payment. And then as long as you wind up on whatever layout you said you were going to wind up on, like a, a, a payment complete layout or maybe just the invoice detail layout, then you can switch layouts as much as you want in your script and then just finish up on that one. And that's where we're going to grab the results from to give back to the consumer of the XML web service. So I was just trying to think of um, use cases. And I know that everybody, you know, whenever anybody's listening to something that's highly technical, which this is, they're like, okay, this sounds great, but where do I use this? And I'm thinking of, you know, it would be cool if there was, for example, something like a generic iPhone app, something where, it was able to understand the result of a WSDL request, 
yes. for a soap request, and then automatically just be able to choose sort of a predefined view and look at that. Because then mm -hmm. what you're able to do is use your web services you know, functionality, hook it up to any FileMaker database, and then anybody that's remote, they don't actually have to have like a dedicated application, just this application that would understand the WSDL, hit the FileMaker database, get the service information back, and then just show it to you on your iPhone. Great for people like sales reps and stuff I was like thinking that. of the exact same thing, actually. That's a great example. I'm referring to like this online invoice payment system because that's one of the things that we've done internally with the web services manager is we've built our own online invoice payment system going through the web services manager, which in turn is calling all the scripts in our FileMaker invoicing system to, to do that. Here's where I see the, the real differentiator because you could do that with other stuff too, right? I mean, I could have written a PHP online invoicing system that used the FileMaker PHP API to do the same thing, or maybe I could have used ODBC to talk to FileMaker. Where web services, and, and this is a conceptual thing, web services are great because they draw a very clear line of responsibility and knowledge between the client and the server. So if you were going to use, say, uh, let's say you have a project management system in FileMaker and you track milestones and statuses and dates and who's assigned to which project. And let's say you've got a company-wide system that is not FileMaker-based. Some other development team has, has developed in, let's just say, it's .NET. And that system needs to know all of the scheduling information in order to roll it into a big company-wide agenda. That's, that's where I see a really good fit for something like this for several reasons. The biggest reason is because... Since web services are standard and they're not specific to FileMaker in any way, the people writing this, say, .NET scheduling application, they don't have to know anything about FileMaker. They don't even have to know that it's actually running on FileMaker. Um, they just need to have the URL of the WSDL file. And then, you know, .NET has all this built-in stuff to consume a web service. Right. And so without ever needing to install an ODBC driver that's specific to FileMaker, without needing to install any PHP libraries that are specific to FileMaker, mm -hmm. without even needing to know that it's FileMaker that's running, as long as they know how to interact with a web service, which is an industry standard specification, they're going to be able to do all these advanced operations to your FileMaker database. Yeah. The other really cool thing here is that there's a subtle point here, which is that they don't need to know anything about your data structure. They don't need to know the names of your tables. They don't need to know the names of your fields or your layouts or anything like that because the WSDL file creates that contract, that API between you and them. And when they call you, they're not really saying, go to this layout and create this table and fill in these fields and set this audit thing and the timestamp. They're just saying, please run this um, this operation called pay invoice or or set schedule or whatever, and here are the five parameters that you requested. Mm -hmm. And then it's up to your script to go in and do the right things in the right places in FileMaker. So that right. makes it conceptually very, very different than, say, ODBC access or PHP access, where you need to really know the internals of the FileMaker system yep. and the data model. Yeah, the WSDL um, becomes the lingua franca, and basically, if that's how you say it, but yeah. <laughs> it becomes you know the the universal language, and FileMaker just becomes a citizen in the data network. Yeah, right. Not only that, but the Let's, same IT people who you're who you're giving this web service to, you probably are also working with those same people who are providing web service access to their data that you're getting in FileMaker. 
Yeah. And then you would use like the FM Nexus web services plugin to kind of have this round trip. Yep. You would have the web services manager for them to pull any data that they want from FileMaker or to push notifications to FileMaker saying, change this status to this or change this schedule to that. And then using the, the FM Nexus web services plugin, you could go the opposite direction too. And you could say, I've just assigned Jesse to this project. Please update your status in the main system to show that Jesse is now dedicated for 65 hours over the next week and a half. So yeah, it's a really neat kind of round trip thing. And it's, it's, to me, it's so cool that this other system doesn't need any knowledge at all of FileMaker. And I see a potential use case for it where, I mean, I know I've been in situations, I don't know about you guys, I've been in situations before where IT people, I've gotten into confrontations with IT people where they say, we need real-time data to all this access, so we're going to ditch your FileMaker thing and rebuild it all in .NET or Oracle or whatever they want to build it in. I never um, saw you as a confrontational person. i'm generally not you know i'd be like well you know that's that's a business decision and whatever you guys want to do i'm fine with that um it's an out of business decision (laughs) (laughs) well yeah there's there's a piece you can make for that too yeah but i think this is a really nice option to lay on the table and say hey it doesn't need to be us giving you nightly updates on an ftp server or something um, and it doesn't need to be ditching our FileMaker thing and building it all in-house. We're going we're gonna to create this web services layer, and then you can grab any data you want real-time from our system as it's updated. You can push data to our system anytime as this is updated. And really, that's probably how they should be doing it themselves if they were to take it in-house, is they should build their own system with a web services wrapper around it so that they're systems can talk to each other. So really you're kind of making FileMaker a nice IT corporate citizen that can interact with all of these other different systems in a way that uh, you know an IT organization should be familiar with. Hey, FileMaker should like that. FileMaker, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, help Jesse out. <laughs> help yeah, him, give him some promotion on the um, product because, I mean, that is, I'm definitely not giving away any secrets and plus it was 2002 when i worked for filemaker but that was one of the biggest things that filemaker sort of had against it when you know talking to some companies it just sort of isn't quote unquote it accepted in some places right because yeah. it's it still has that that toy flavor to some it people i mean going all the way back to the 90s which is unfortunate but it's just carried forward and this it democratizes that. It says, you know, forget it. You know, use your standards. Yeah, yeah I mean, people still think FileMaker is like a Mac application. Then you remind them, oh, yeah, I went cross-platform in 1993. That was <laughs> 15 years ago now. What was the average age of the human being on the planet again? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a level playing field. Your web service layer is the exact same as the web service layer that would be running on an Oracle database or a SQL Server database or anything else. You know, it shouldn't matter to the to the and grabbing the data, what it's running on. And so I think this is a, a major shift that it's one of the first times that you've been able to get data in or out of FileMaker without having any special software or any special knowledge of FileMaker at all. So or XML. I, I th- <laughs> yeah, or, or even of XML. If you're using all the, there's, there's a lot of graphical SOAP tools out there that let you kind of just connect the dots and drag lines connecting this to that. You know, and business rule systems and things like that that drive web services. And so this allows FileMaker to participate in that whole process.
I'm game. I'm ready to play with it. <laughs> it sounds like it was a really simple, quick project to develop. I'm sure there were no hurdles in the development, were there? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was like oh, like four hours a week. and uh, yeah, something like. That. <laughs> well, <laughs> we 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 ran into yeah, we ran into some hurdles. What were the big um, ones? I can think of two offhand. One is generating the WSDL file. Uh, you know, th- there's a very very complex specification for generating a correct WSDL file. Um, and the whistle is not a simple document. It's not really designed for a human being to read. It's designed for a machine to, to read and then present graphically to a, to a human being. Mm-hmm. So it was very challenging to come up with all of the exact right things with, uh, you know, this namespace declaration and namespaces got weird. If, if you're familiar with XML, what if you have the same script in two different FileMaker files with the same name? Let's say layout with the same name in two different FileMaker databases. So, you know, these are all issues that, that we ran into as we were starting to, to use it for some in-house stuff. And uh, the good thing is that XML is so flexible that we were able to address all these by assigning a separate namespace to each FileMaker database that you could have, you know, the same element named the same thing across different databases, making it work with all the various WSDL analyzer tools from StrikeIron and the, the Java stub generation stuff and, and the PHP stuff and Vince's web services plugin, you mm-hmm. know, all of these things have very specific expectations about how the visual is going to look. And, you know, things that, you know, our initial testing worked for our tools that we were using, but then we had to continuously tweak it as we tested it with all of the various WSDL, you know, all, all the consumer software out there to make sure it worked correctly with the, with all those things. The second big hurdle that we ran into was the FileMaker PHP API itself. The problem was when, because we used the PHP API behind the scenes to go, or we did use the PHP API behind the scenes to go and trigger these scripts in the databases. The problem we ran into is that PHP has a record limit. Uh, You know, you specify in your PHP thing the maximum number of records that you want to get. And then it's going to read all of that data into memory and then give that back to you as like, you know, an associative array or something in PHP, some in-memory data structure. But what if somebody's triggering a web service and it's going to request every record from Matt's billion record FileMaker database, right? That's that's obviously not going to do well when the PHP API tries to go read all that into memory. Right. Whereas if you go into FileMaker and you open up that same file and you do a search for a record, you get a result in a fraction of a second. Right. And if you search for uh, something that gives you 20 million results, it's still going to work. It'll take Um, a really long time, but yes. (laughs) And if you try to do a PHP query, you just can't. Not going through the FileMaker PHP API. You Mm -hmm. just don't have enough memory in the computer. So we started off writing this with a PHP API, and then at some point, fairly late in the process... Uh, when we started getting it out to some beta customers and they started complaining about, well, you know, it fails if I'm trying to get 600 gigs of data, um, we had to switch to using uh, just raw XML through the FileMaker Web Publishing XML. So we had to ditch all the PHP API and to some extent write a little bit of our own. Um, but the nice thing is now it streams all that straight from the XML Web Publishing Gateway. So the entire thing, there there are, are no limits to the to the amount of data that you can request with it and the size of the data or anything like that. It works with container fields. It'll return those as binary base 64 encoded um, XML data. So that was a big hurdle was dealing with large data sets and, and eventually kind of just going away from the FileMaker PHP API to deal directly with the XML API, which does stream the data as it's requested. So I'm free to blow up my iPhone by requesting six gigs. (laughs) (laughs) sounds like you sounds like you need a new iphone with a lot more memory (laughs) 
<laughs> that sounds like a good reason to go buy a new one to me. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it has been a long time in coming. And then the other challenge, which isn't really as readily apparent is that part of my job on this thing personally was to write a tester application. So I wrote, uh, in Java, a little GUI desktop app that can read any WSDL and, and show you a list of all the available operations and then trigger that and then view the operations, view the result, not only as XML, but as kind of a formatted object graph. Uh, and so that's actually a very nice handy tool in and of itself to just be a, a generic web service consumer for any web service server. And so th that took some time for me as well to get that perfected. Um, and, and that's a nice tool when you're trying to test these web services because it's like it's one thing to set up and configure this thing and say, okay, great, now I've exposed my FileMaker script as a web service. What next? And so that's where this uh, generic kind of tester thing comes into play is that you can open it up, you can try it out, you can run the operation, you can see the XML that you get back, and then you can know that you can hand this off to IT or whoever and just give them that WSDL URL and it's going to work the same way for them. Nice. Cool. So what you talked about some of the IT type people who have problems with FileMaker and that this really overcomes a lot of their objections and I think that's going to be great. Is that really your target market or what other markets do you think this is going to be really aimed for initially? I really see it that way. I see it aimed for integrating with non-FileMaker people and non-FileMaker technologies. It's certainly not limited to that. One of the, one of the fun examples that we wrote was we, um, we built a, a trouble ticket system. And so we built a web service that takes some parameters of the username, the IP address, the FileMaker solution, the layout that you're on, the record ID that you're on. And then we use uh, the FM Nexus web services plugin uh, in FileMaker uh, to, to call that web service so that we built a nice little built-in bug reporter in a FileMaker solution that reports bugs in your solution or feedback or requests or whatever to some centralized server running our web services manager. Um, so that was a neat example of doing FileMaker to FileMaker web services. And, uh, and there's definitely a, a good use for that. But I, I think that probably the larger market for this will come from when you're the FileMaker guy and you're trying to integrate with the, the other people who are not FileMaker people. And uh, it's, it's so nice that, you know, the XML web services are very well specced out. It's across all, all platforms, across all programming languages. I mean, there's web service toolkits for every programming la language out there. PHP's so, got really good stuff. Ruby's got good stuff. Java, .NET, Python. There's good web service things for, for all of those all those tools. And so this is a really nice way to to integrate with those other languages without them having to install a FileMaker ODBC driver. Right. Without them having to know about how to use the FileMaker PHP API. So here um, would be um, my question. This is uh, most every developer, they have the uh, mental toolbox of the little uh, tricks, tips, URLs. If somebody wants to get started, because I'm going to assume that a lot of FileMaker developers haven't necessarily taken a look at WSDLs and this technology. We've heard the FM Nexus plugin. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard you mention Strike Iron. What mm -hmm. are like? What would be a short list of things that things or places that people could go in order to learn more about this? Other than, you know, your site, 360 Works, in order to find out yeah. about Web Services Manager. One thing you can definitely do is come to DevCon. Uh, I, I did a DevCon session in 2008 on using XML Web Services with, uh, with FileMaker. I'm going to be doing a, that session again in 2009. 
So I, anyone that's interested in that, please, you know, please come to my session at DevCon 2009. As far okay, as so we've sites, got DevCon. Uh, what else? Like, a, is there a URL that you something that you reference when you're developing, or like you know, most industries have like you know, sort of a go-to site for you know, Wizzle right. services or. I know it's, that Vince has uh, some documentation with his plugin, so I guess it yeah. would be go get Vince's FM Nexus plugin, go look at Web Services Manager, plan on attending DevCon, and then anything else you're going to find through reference. The reason it's kind of a hard question to answer is because it's actually going there. There's a t- ton of sites out there, but the sites are generally going to be targeted towards whatever language you're working in. So, like, if you're using Microsoft.net as the other end of the connection, then you would go to MSDN with Microsoft, and you would look for the the, the SOAP web services support in .NET. You know, similarly with PHP, you would Google for PHP web services. Gotcha. So it's it, it's yeah, it's going to be very because it's not tied to any vendor. You know, it's not tied to any operating system. It's not tied to any programming language. There isn't any kind of one I, there is a w3c specification on it but the specification is really not where you want to start learning about it because that's 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 pretty dry gotcha um, in fact i i think i've cut i've come up with an answer to my own question folks if you're listening and you want to learn about whistles just go to wikipedia just go to wikipedia <laughs> and put in wsdl or put in web services description language and that will at least give you a start of you know what this is how it works and how it integrates with uh Web Services Manager and the FM Nexus plugin that we've referenced. Cool. I'm right. really looking forward to playing with this. Great. I've been Great. working with IT people who are not FileMaker types, and this is going to be a really helpful thing for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm really curious to see. You know, it's always fun to we put out our products, and then people use it in really cool ways. Uh, so it's going to be really neat when we release these things to start hearing from people about what they're using it for. Very cool. So Jesse, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you very much, guys. Oh, and the URL for it is um, 360works.com slash WSM for Web Services Manager. So that's where you can find out more about it. Thanks, guys. Excellent. All right. See you.